We're preaching from the book of Matthew chapter 8. We're going to begin reading with verse 14. And to, this morning, I have a very important, not that all messages from God's Word is important, that, of course it is, but this is very important for each of us that has ever been hurt, that has ever been damaged, that has ever went through something horrific in your life, and maybe someone that's sick, hurting in any way, whether physically or emotionally or mentally or any way. God's a good God. And he heals from the top to bottom. Amen. So if your top needs healing, your top, he'll, he'll heal your top. If your bottom needs healing, he'll heal your bottom. Amen. Hello. You say, that didn't come out right. Yes, it did. I intended to say that. Let's all stand. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. We're going to read down to verse 22. Now, don't forget tonight's service at 6 o'clock. Amen. We'll have a great time tonight at 6. But until then, we're going to move to the Scriptures here in Matthew chapter 8, 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When evening was come, they brought unto him, that is Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. I want to use for a subject taken from verse 14, Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a fever. Spiritual fevers may be seated. I want to talk to you about spiritual fevers. Spiritual fevers are not like physical fevers. When you get a fever physically, it is a symptom. It's actually your body trying to burn out infection or a virus in your body. A fever is an indication that something's wrong under the skin. And we'll come to that in just a little bit, a little more detail. Something's wrong under the skin. Now, this story comes from the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is not recorded in St. John, but in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, and here in our text, Matthew chapter 8, is the story that unfolds in the beginning of Jesus' early ministry. In fact, he had called 
Andrew, and Andrew went and got Peter, and he had Andrew, Peter, and James and John. And he says to them in the scriptures, let's go to church. And so they went to the synagogue. And when they went to the synagogue, what we would call church, I mean, when Jesus shows up at church, church radically changes. Everything changes when Jesus shows up. And Jesus goes inside the synagogue with Peter and Andrew, James, and John. And they sit in the little quietness of the room, just the average boring service. And all of a sudden, Jesus is speaking Scripture, and some demon crawls out of the closet, points his finger probably at Jesus and said, I know who you are. You're the Son of God. Did you come here to torment me before my time? Jesus said, shut up and come out of him. He squealed and screamed and fell on the floor and wallowed and wiggled around, and the whole service changed. Woo! Man, I'm not advocating that in this room today, but if it happened, I guarantee you, you would never forget today's service. And no doubt, Peter and James and John and Andrew thought, we ain't never seen nothing like this. And they may have said to Jesus, what'd you get us into? We were not expecting something like this to happen. And with authority, Jesus Christ spake. Now, after a service like that, you've got to go eat. Hey, I just preached what the Bible says. They went to Peter's house to go eat. Peter, James and John, and Andrew goes to Peter's house. Jesus is with them. That makes five. A mother-in-law makes six. And Peter's wife makes seven. It's lunchtime. But the Bible says that Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a fever. In fact, Luke chapter 4 says, the doctor, Luke says, it was a fiery fever. It was a fever, a great fever. She was burning up on fire. That means that she could do nothing. And if anybody knows anything about fevers, they take your strength. They take everything away from you. And Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus stood over Peter's mother-in-law sick of a fever. Just like a doctor stood over the sick. And I want you to know that whatever you're going through today, Jesus is standing over. If it's sickness in your body, Jesus stands over it tall and proud and powerful. If you're going through depression, Obsession, addiction, loneliness, grief, Jesus stands over it. He stands as a mighty physician of the universe. He's God. And he stands over her, and the Bible says he takes her by the hand. And the fever, he rebukes the fever. 
Now, I don't know what he said, but it was something like this. Get out of her body. Go away. And don't you ever come back. Go pester some demon somewhere. Now, I don't know what he said, but that's good as anything. Bible says he rebuked the fever. He didn't rebuke the mother-in-law for being in bed. He didn't rebuke the mother-in-law for not fixing them lunch. He rebuked the fever. And I want you to know, God, if there's sickness in your body, God wants to rebuke the sickness. If there's depression in your soul, God wants to rebuke the depression. If there's grief buried up in your heart, God wants to rebuke the grief. He doesn't rebuke you. He rebukes that which is holding you and pinning you down to the bed of despair. He takes her by the hand. The Bible says, and he speaks to the fever. He rebukes it, and the fever goes. They had lunch. Told you they went to eat. Because the mother-in-law got up like a good mother-in-law and started cooking. The Bible says she started ministering to them, meaning she was fixing lunch. Not brunch, lunch. Actually, it was dinner. Supper's at night, dinner's at lunchtime. Lunch is what you take to work. Dinner's what you eat at home at noon. Amen. And she fixed a big dinner. Man, they're excited. And the Bible says that when evening had come, meaning it was the Sabbath. By the way, the, the same synagogue that Jesus went to was the one that the, that the um, uh, centurion we preached about last Sunday morning built for the Jews, same synagogue. And remember, the centurion's servant was healed by Jesus Christ. And so they went to that same synagogue in Capernaum is where it was at. You can find this all in Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, and part of it in Matthew chapter 8. And so he goes to the synagogue. There's a great service. It's the Sabbath day. They have a big meal on the Sabbath day, and then toward evening, the Jewish time is different. A new day begins at 6 p.m. And so at evening time, people gathered around the house of Peter and brought their sick, brought their afflicted, and there was a massive crowd. And Jesus went outside the house and healed everyone there and cast out every demon spirit. And a great move of God was on. Well, they went to bed, got up the next morning, and Jesus is gone. He slipped away. He had slipped away early in the morning to go out and pray. And they're trying to find him. And when they finally find Jesus, he's alone with the Father. Let me tell you, you can get so busy, you've got to stop and get alone with God. Amen. Most of the problems in Christians' lives is they just don't get along with God at times. God is pretty good at straightening you out. I can't do it, but God can straighten you out. Amen. Some of you get so crooked that if you died, we'd have to screw you into the ground instead of burying you. Hello. Anybody knew someone crooked as that? Oh, yeah. And so Jesus goes out early in the morning, and they finally find Jesus. 
And they say, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, you know, talking to the father. So, well, you got a lot of people back at the house that wants to see you. And Jesus said, not going there. There's other cities that I must go to to preach the gospel in other places. And from there, he made his way in a journey toward Galilee. I just thought I'd give you the story before I started giving you the word. The story, you know what you mean when you say, preacher, what do you mean by giving you the word? That means when the word gets inside of you and deals with your heart, we're going to be looking at some things, spiritual fevers. I want to begin by saying that churches get spiritual fevers. Fevers take the energy out of a body. And discouragement, fevers in the church, will take the strength out of the church. People will get into a place where they no longer clap their hands for joy, no longer shout for joy, no longer raise their hands and praise God. Why? Because they've fallen into a deep mode of spiritual fever. A fever, whatever the case may be, maybe they got caught up in tradition. Maybe they, a lively church is too uncomfortable for them. Listen, most sinners don't like lively churches. You calling me a sinner? I'm calling you whatever you want to think. People that are afraid of God's movement have serious issues and spiritual fevers. Now, I'm not talking about ridiculous stuff. I'm not talking about crazy stuff. You say, you mean you, you're not crazy? No, I didn't say I wasn't crazy. But I, I, and, and I am not saying you're not crazy. But we don't do a lot of crazy stuff here. We don't try to stretch the Word of God to where you can play it like a banjo. Amen? We want to preach the Word of God for what it says and bring things out that is important. And so churches can get spiritual fevers to the point that demons can actually take up residence in the church. Demons can actually come to church and feel quite comfortable because nothing's going on. And so Jesus shows up at the synagogue that had a spiritual fever, and boy, did he create an excitement. And he cast the demon out, and the excitement came, and the spiritual fever broke loose and was left. I believe that I believe that boredom left the church when Jesus cast the demon out. I believe that tradition left the church, left the synagogue when Jesus cast the demon out. I believe that that, that staleness and lameness and, 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 and uh, boredom left the church when Jesus Christ cast the demon out. Why? Because the church has a spiritual fever. There are churches everywhere that have spiritual fevers. Their energy's gone. Their excitement's gone. The preaching's gone. The thrill is gone. And little by little, you lose strength. And Jesus come to remove the fever from the church. And that which is causing that fever. 
See, back in those days, they thought the fever was the actual sickness, but that's not true. The fever was the indication of a sickness. And let me tell you, friends, quietness in a church with no excitement, no thrill, no movement, quietness in a church, and I'm not talking about reverent, reverential quietness. We need that from time to time. But I'm, not, I'm just talking about just dragging through on Sunday morning, just dragging through the next Sunday morning, just dragging through. It's an indication of something wrong in the church. And usually it's with the preacher. Thank you, Don, for that good Amen. Hello. Well, it's serious, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the first thing we need to do is get a healthy hunger for the Word of God. When you've got a fever, you're not hungry. And the first thing we need to do is get a hunger for the Word of God. A hunger. And how many would agree that after Jesus cast the demon out and that demon was vacated the synagogue, how many would agree everybody was grabbing their, their, their uh, script? Everybody's grabbing their parchment. Everybody's grabbing the word. Everybody's saying, oh, tell us something here, scribe. What happened? And the scribe said, I don't know. And the scribe maybe said, well, he wasn't of God because he interrupted the service. And the little country boy says, you know, I wasn't born last night. But, but, you know, I know that if a demon leaves the church, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Hello. Now, I want to show you something that's important. Number one, the church, churches get fevers, and they need to be set free so that they can get off their bed of lukewarmness, get off their bed of drainness, and, and, and get excitement back in. Not only do churches get fever, but good people get fevers. They get sick. How many would agree that Peter's mother-in-law was a good woman? You say, prove that, preacher. She got up and fed him. That's a good woman. I don't care if it was Peter's mother-in-law. That's a good woman. She got up and fed him after the fever was removed, removed from her. And good people get fevers. They get fevers, spiritual fevers, such as depression. Spiritual fevers such as guilt. Spiritual fevers such as obsession or lust or covetousness. Spiritual fevers such as grief and sorrow and pity. That fever is an indication of something wrong. And Jesus Christ wants to fix what is wrong. Amen? Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding, so if you don't like it, look out the wind and ignore me. Just listen to the message. Amen? But pe good people get fevers. Good people get sick. Good people get sick physically. Good people get sick spiritually. Good people get sick in their physical bodies, and they get sick in their spiritual walk with God from time to time. 
You know, we need to understand that our bodies get sick from time to time. So do our spirits, our walk with God. We we get a germ or a virus, spiritually speaking, and we get fevers. And so Jesus stands over us today to remove, to rebuke the fever, and to give us grace and give us mercy and give us healing. That's in verse 15 and 16. He cast, touched her hand, and she arose and ministered unto them, verse 15. Not only did good people get fevers, but the leaders in the church, the scribes, get fevers. So what does the scribe? Oh, nothing except the biggest guy in the synagogue as far as position. And scribes get spiritual fevers. Look at verse 19 and 20. And a certain scribe came to, and said unto Jesus, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Whoa! Hallelujah! Baptize him. Let's get it on. And Jesus said, Whoa, hold on. Let me first talk you out, try to talk you out of it. Now, <laughs> I've been preaching a long time, but I've never tried to talk someone out of following Jesus. But he wasn't interested in the crowds. He was interested in the quality of the person. Most preachers are just interested in the crowds. They're just concerned about the crowds or the offering. But what we got to be concerned about is the true followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. Scriptures, I'll follow you wherever, whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus says to him in his cozy little synagogue, his cozy little position, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, I, I don't even know where I'm going to sleep the next day. There's no indication the scribe says, I'm on with you, brother. He probably bailed out right there. Most people bail out if they think it's going to cost them something. They want to hear this get-rich gospel. They want to hear this whoopee, hooray gospel. But they don't want to hear that Jesus Christ said that there'll be times when you're going to be drugged through the muck and the mire, and you're going to find your place away from the crowds, and you're going to need the strength of God in your life. And the scribe had a fever. What was his fever? A religious fever. A positional fever. Don't change me, fever. I'm content with my position. I'm content with what I do. I love my synagogue. Oh, don't ask me to follow you when you can't even get to the Holiday Inn. I had, a, I had a singing group call me up when we were down on the square. A singing group called me up. said, we want to come and sing in your church. I said, you do? Yeah. I said, you got any idea how many singers I already got in my church? said, yeah, but we're good ones. I said, do you have many good ones we have in our church? I didn't tell him about the bad ones, but anyway. And, and he said, well, we want to come. We got a quartet, four of us. We'll set the fields on fire. We'll... And I say, you got a preacher, Mike? No, but music does awesome things. I say, if you don't come and preach, you're not coming, period. We preach. 
They said, well, we want to come. All we want is a motel room. One for each one of us. We want a basket of fruit on the table every morning. And we'll need transportation back and forth to your church in a nice vehicle. I'll let you guess what I told him. Yeah, I wanted to cuss, but I didn't. I said, don't bother. I said, I wouldn't feed you a basket of slop, let alone a basket of fruit. Goodbye. Slammed the phone down and hoped that his ears were still against it. Hello. But scribes get spiritual fevers too. People, pastors get spiritual fevers. You need to give me some more money, 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 money. That would be a song like that. But anyway, and, and preachers want, you know, their retirement fund. You need to put some money in my retirement fund. Now, look, I'm not against money. Give me something today and I'll be happy about it. But I'm not going to fleece you. I'm not against money. I'm not against having a million dollars. So, well, preacher, you probably couldn't handle a million dollars. Try me. <laughs> Just for one time, I'd like to have the temptation of backsliding with a million dollars. Because I wouldn't backslide. I'd go buy me a Shelby Mustang and give Judy the rest of the money. She would backslide. Trust me, trust me, Judy, my wife, would have backslid a long time ago when I got married to her, if it was at all possible. So the scribe got spiritual fever. Notice there's another one, verse 21 and 22. Another of his disciples, that word disciple means followers, Another of his followers said unto him, Lord, suffer me to go first to bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me, let the dead bury their dead. Now, when you read those two verses, you think, man, Jesus, you're just really something. Poor guy's got his dad dead, and you won't let him go bury his own dad. That's not what this verse is saying. He said, let the dead bury the dead. What this disciple was saying was, let me get my ducks in a row first. Let me take care of my father because he's got a really good inheritance for me. Let me take care of my father until he dies. And then when dad's gone and I got the inheritance, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, no, that ain't how it works. Let the dead bury their dead. Follow me. This is a disciple that had spiritual fever. Now, let me quickly say that most Christians are not disciples. Most Christians, most believers are not disciples. 
Most truly born-again Christian people are not disciples. They are not followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus has changed them. Jesus has forgiven them. They're ready to go to heaven. They're going to go to heaven. But you are not following Jesus Christ if you don't have time for church in your life. You're not following Jesus Christ if you don't have time to give a tithe of your offering to the Lord. You don't follow Jesus Christ if you don't have time to put God first in your life. I don't care if there is a family picnic. Put God first in your life. I don't care what, don't, don't say, well, when I get a million bucks, I'll serve God. When things fall in place, I'll serve God. Make up your mind that you're going to serve God. But most Christians are not disciples. They're not following Jesus Christ. They're saved. They're going to go to heaven. But only those true disciples will follow Jesus no matter what happens. No matter what's transpiring in their life. These disciples, this disciple had a fever. His fever was that he really didn't want to follow Jesus. He really didn't want to do that. He, did, he really didn't want to sell out to Jesus. And most Christians are not followers of Jesus Christ. So well, I don't think a Christian, you can be a Christian and not follow Jesus Christ. Seems to me like some of you think so. You're no more committed to church and the things of God and the Bible and the Word of God than you are to anything else. You're more committed to your family. You're more committed to your home. You're more committed to your job. You're more committed to your pleasure. You're more committed to your things around you. You're more committed to everything in the world but Jesus Christ and your church. And let me tell you, friends, you are not a true follower of Jesus Christ when you only follow him on Sunday morning when it is convenient. Let me say it in sweet words. Let the dead bury their dead. Can't believe Jesus say such a thing. Now let's go back to healing for a minute because I've got a few things I want to talk to you about healing. The Bible says that in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled. This is after Jesus cast out demons and healed the sick. It says in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, I want to share with you some things today that you'll understand that God still heals. Well, if God heals you, can you get sick again? Sure you can. If you get forgiven of your sins, can you sin again? Sure you do. But God's a good God and he forgives you again. And if you get sick, he'll heal you again and again and again. Hello. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Now listen. <laughs> All right. Matthew says, Matthew says that Isaiah talked about it. Well, let's see what Isaiah said about this. Jesus healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's, and, and someone says, well, this is a prelude. This is a future of things to come. Yeah. 
We're going to be in heaven. No one's going to be sick. Yep. He's going to rule on earth for a thousand years. Yep. But it's not just a preview of things to come. It's also a God that still heals and still saves. Amen. Now, let's, let's break down Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Let's just break it down for a minute. Surely, speaking of Jesus, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Notice the word, born, carried our griefs. Uh, born means he burdened our griefs and carried our sorrow. This is emotional, mental healing. Let's go on. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. This is Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the wrath of God upon him so that you and I can go to heaven. He took our hell so that we won't go there. He took, our, took the wrath of God so that we don't have to suffer it. Jesus took our punishment. Let's read on. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. This is healing for your deep sins. This is healing for your most wicked, sinful life. The chastisement, chastisement of our peace was upon him. This is mind healing. And with his stripes, we are healed. That is physical healing. Well, let's look a little further. What did Peter say about it? First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. What did Peter say about it? Now, you may have a Bible that changes the words in this wording, but please hear me. If you have a Bible that changes the wording in this, they're robbing you of some rich stuff. Good old King James Version Bible doesn't rob you of wonderful things. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self, meaning Jesus himself, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. In his own body, he took our sins and carried him to the grave, rose again from the grave, and gave us new life. He put to death our sins, that we being dead to our sins, to sins, should live unto righteousness. This is salvation. But let's read on. By whose stripes ye were healed, this is healing of mind, body, soul, and spirit. By his stripes ye were healed. Now, some Bible translations will change the wording to by his stripes ye were healed, and, and the wording will be changed to by his wounds. You were healed. Now, I want you to understand something. If the, if the Bible says stripes, it means stripes. Now, I realize stripes, the, you know, the stripes, the cat on nine tails across his back, I realize those are wounds. But they're much more than that. The stripes are the breaking of the skin. The stripes are the breaking of the skin. 
Now, I'm not opposed to by his wounds were healed as long as we understand what those wounds are and they are stripes. It's when the cattle nine tails broke into his skin. And by his stripes, we were, we are healed by his stripes physically. In his own body on the tree, Jesus Christ in his own body took the stripes upon his back. Those stripes wrapped around his torso, ripping the skin from his body. Those stripes wrapped across his shoulders, ripping his skin off. Those stripes were exposing the skin. Now, I realize the skin is the biggest organ in your body. I realize that. The skin is your biggest organ. It is the organ that protects your whole skeleton, your whole body the skin. But I'm also mindful of the fact that disease must get in under the skin to kill us. Disease must get into the skin, under the skin, to bring infirmities, sickness, and disease. It must happen under the skin. Now, I realize there's poison oak and and that's a different story altogether. You say, what do you mean by that? Quit rolling in poison oak. I mean, when I was a little boy, I decided I was going to get out of school. I tried every way to get out of school. And, and I decided, well, I'm just going to rub poison oak all over my face and all over my body, and then mama won't make me go to school. I got up the next morning. My eyes were almost swelled shut. I, I had this poison oak all over my body, and mom says, you're going to school. I said, Mom, I can't go to school. I'm itching. She said, scratch there. <laughs> now, you think Mama's just mean. No, Mama knew James. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went down to school, and Clyde Hazlip was a janitor, and he said, I got a sure cure for that, that poison oak. I said, tell me. He said, you mix salt and gasoline together. You put it in a wash rag and you wash it off. Just wash it. I went home and tried it. It set me on fire. <laughs> but the next morning I got up, totally cured of poison oak. Totally cured. That's a side note. We're going to get back to our story. Disease gets under the skin. And so Jesus comes in skin. God comes in skin. And Jesus can't get sick. He's God. And Jesus can't die. He's God. But he takes on a body that can die. And he takes on a body that can get sick. And when he was beaten with the cat of nine tails and his skin was open, it was allowing our sicknesses and diseases to get under his skin. That's good stuff. With every whip of the cat of nine tails, 
It got under his skin, and that's how we got in under his skin. That's how we got in under his physical death. Yes, we are in him in Christ spiritually. Yes, we are in him in Christ positionally. But we also got in him physically. And in him physically, he was taken to the tomb, rose again from the dead, and we came out with him physically. And we received not only healing for our bodies, but body, soul, spirit, and mind. I want to get this right. I wrote it down, and I thought, well, you know, I, uh, I usually don't use my notes very much, but I wanted to just put this down. When, when the cat of nine tails, the stripes, broke into his skin for physical healing, sickness also breaks into our skin. Now let us, let Jesus break into our skin. By his bloody stripes and his wounds. You say, well, I don't believe, I believe this is totally the atonement. I don't believe Jesus heals physically. Come on, guys. Does Jesus answer prayer? Then he heals. Come on, let's just get it, let's get it real. You say, well, I don't believe that, I believe this is totally a spiritual um, forgiveness. I believe there's total salvation, atonement. I don't believe healing's in this at all. Okay, okay. But let me say this. Do you sin after you're forgiven? Sure you do. And Jesus forgives you again and again and again. And just because someone gets sick after they've been healed doesn't mean Jesus won't heal again and again and again. The ultimate deliverance from sin is when we get home. And the ultimate deliverance from sickness is when we get home. But make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ is the one that's going to get us home. Body, soul, and spirit. It is Jesus that's going to get us home. And I'm glad that one day I let Jesus get in under my skin. I read in the Bible where Jesus was beaten with a cat on nine tails. I read in my Bible where Jesus was beaten and bruised for our iniquity. He was, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I read in the Bible where he was full of grief and sorrow and where he went to the whipping post and they put nails in his hands and, and, and they pierced his side and nailed in his feet. I read in the Bible where he was blood-letted uh, to, to forgive us of our sins and he went to the cross of Calvary. I read in the Bible where he went about doing good, healing all that, that were sick and oppressed of the devil in Acts 10, 38. I read in my Bible where Jesus Christ is the healer and when I see him on the cross in the scriptures and I hear about what he did on the cross and what he took by the stripes on his back and what he took with the nails and the pierced side and the dying on the cross, when I see that his skin was ripped in two, I said, there you go. There's an opening in the skin of Jesus. Whoo, I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. The only way to get in there is through a wound. 
Come on. Let me look at you. You're just not responding the way. If I was down there, I'd put my hand on your forehead and see if you've got a fever. So I don't believe in healing. You will when that baby gets sick. I don't believe in healing. You will when cancer is diagnosed in your body, and God forbid that that would ever happen to anyone. But I guarantee you, when you fight, when you, the older I get, the more I believe in healing. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Encouragement. I am going to need it. Amen. I knew that one day I would be married to an old woman, and I am. And you're saying you're going to need healing after service. Well, my wife is married to an old man, too. We're getting old. I looked at Judy the other night, and I said, we're getting old. She said, I know. Ain't it fun? (laughs) I don't move like I used to. If I see a penny on the parking lot, I pick it up. If I see a nickel on the parking lot, I'll pick it up. If I see a dime on the parking lot, I pay my grandkid to pick it up, a nickel. If I see a quarter on the parking lot, I give my grandkid 50 cents to pick it up. Now, <laughs> Judy is spry. Judy is spry. I mean, she bounces around like a spring chicken. Judy is spry. She bounces up and down ladders. She cuts boards. She, she is a spry. I mean, she is a spry Young lady. But anyway, she's spry. Did I get myself out yet? (laughs) These curtains. Look at these curtains. Al and Charity, Joshua and Judy. Put those curtains up. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. They worked hard. Judy was going up and down, up and down. And, And Al, he's old, but he managed Cherry did a great job. The, the curtains look wonderful. Say, so what'd you do? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Just don't want to talk about it. I didn't even tell them what to do. I learned a long time ago, keep your mouth shut. Life goes better. Now, I want you to hear me. I got in to Jesus because his skin was opened. And Jesus gets into my skin because I am willing to allow Jesus to open me. And he did it through conviction.
So don't ever think that God doesn't heal because God does. You say, well, he didn't heal me. That don't mean a thing. Because there were people that Jesus didn't heal. How, for instance, the, the, the sick people at the pool of Bethesda. He only healed one there. The lame man at the beautiful gate. He didn't heal him at all. He let Peter and John do that. Jesus didn't heal everyone, but he healed everyone that came to him. Isn't that good? I can't count the times when our babies got sick. High fever. We lived down on the farm and Galen and Misty were little and Rachel. They all took their turns with high fever. And if there's one thing that drives a daddy or a mommy to prayer, it's a sick child. And I went out in the yard, I remember it so clearly, not once but many times, went out in the yard in the night, three in the morning, baby burning up with fever. And I'd say, Lord, please heal my baby. Please. And then I would say, Lord, if you'll just give it to me, I'll take it. Just give it to me. I don't want my baby sick. And the Lord says, oh, you don't have to do that. I already took it. And when Jesus would say to me, I already took it. Yes. I walk into the house and the fever's gone. That's happened many times. When a baby gets really high fever, they'll pack them in ice. When my baby's got really high fever, I packed them in Jesus. Do you seek medical attention? Yes. Why do you think Jesus had Dr. Luke going with him? He's not opposed to doctors. God's not opposed to medicine. I believe when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden on their way out, they discovered that there was roots and weeds and thistles that actually had healing capacities in it. And that's God's mercy in the midst of the curse. Doctors is God's mercy in the midst of the curse. Medicine is God's mercy in the midst of the curse. Wow. Stand with me. Hope you enjoyed today. Hope the Lord has spoke to your heart. Jesus opened his skin so that sickness and disease could get in. Now we ought to allow Jesus to come in us to get under our skin. And Jesus gets under our skin through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I've been trying to do, get under your skin. That's my whole ministry. I've spent a lifetime of trying to get under people's skin. And I'm pretty good at it. If I have to say so myself, I get under a lot of people's skin. 
That Walmart, that 7-Eleven, oh, that's not here anymore. It never was here, don't guess. Krispy Kreme donut, come and go. I'm real good at getting under people's skin. But the thing we got to do is we got to get under our Lord's skin. And he opened up a way for you to go. By his stripes we're healed. By his wounds we're forgiven. There's a big gaping hole in the side of Jesus on that cross for all the church to come out of and to go in and out. Because Jesus is a healer, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to open the invitation. If it's healing you want, I'm not a healer, but I know someone that is. His name is Jesus. I will never tell you I'm a healer because I'm not. I'm not even a doctor. I'm not a healer, but I know a healer. His name is Jesus. Do you believe in faith healers? No, I do not believe in faith healers, but I do believe in faith healing. Because it's not something we do to put on a show. It's something to receive because God has made it possible for us to be forgiven. Now, first above all, overall, first, if you've never been forgiven of your sin, please do so today. If you've never asked Jesus for forgiveness, if you've never got in under the skin of Jesus, if you've never came through the wounded sign, never come to the cross of Calvary, I want to invite you, if you've never been saved, be saved today. And if you have been saved and you're battling with sickness, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus. Just ask Him to heal you. All is open.